0: Hello and welcome to Communicore Weekly, I'm George. And I'm Jeff. Here we go! It's time for
1: history. Horizons was a much-beloved attraction at Epcot during the 1980s and 90s. Though it opened a year after the park did, it was hailed as the pinnacle Epcot
0: attraction, showcasing just the right balance between entertainment and education. Horizons was named Century 3 while they were still working on the concept to tie into the third century of America's existence. The name was later changed to Future Probe to help it appeal to international guests who they thought wouldn't quite understand the concept of Century 3. Um, however, the name was finally changed to Horizons due to some concerns with the medical connotation with the word probe. Prior to the
1: start of construction, the project's budget was slashed by $10 million, which is a lot of money. The building size was reduced, and the length of the ride was shrunk by 35%. However, Imagineers made it work, and still managed to create one of the most
0: memorable rides in the park. Horizons is often considered a sequel of sorts to the Carousel of Progress. The Carousel of Progress follows the changes in lifestyle that a family faced during the 20th century. Horizons continued their story, in a way, by showing how they might live in the 21st century. To further tie the two attractions together, the Carousel of Progress's theme song, There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, could be heard in different variations throughout Horizons. That was pretty good, by the way. Oh, thank you.
1: The original concept for the ride came from Reginald Jones and Jack Welch, the past and future CEOs of General Electric. It originally focused on Thomas Edison and his body of work and how that tied into the origins of General Electric. During its Century 3 phase, it changed to the focus of the future of America, but again that was scrapped so it would appeal to the
0: worldwide Epcot audience. Horizons used the popular Omnimover conveyance system that took guests past scenes depicting visions of a future yet to come. It began with a segment called Looking Back at Tomorrow which showcased visions of the future as people saw it through the eyes of popular science fiction writer Jules Verne all the way up to the 1950s. After that, guests rode past two Omnimax screens, which was groundbreaking technology at the time of the ride, and is still considered one of the greatest show-stopping moments in the history of Disney attractions. The rest of the attraction showed visions of futuristic life in cities, deserts, under the sea, and even space. The attraction ended by giving guests a choice of 3 video endings that they could watch as they traveled back to Futureport. The video showed a simulated flyover of an outdoor scene using scale models, which were some of the largest ever created at the time.
1: The attraction officially opened on October 1, 1983, as part of Phase 2 of Epcot, located on the eastern side of Future World between World of Motion and the Universe of Energy. It was the only attraction in Epcot to showcase all the themes being taught in Future World communication, community interaction, energy, transportation, anatomy, physiology, and along with man's relationship to the sea, land,
0: air, and space. The pavilion was loved by guests for years, up until GE dropped their sponsorship in 1994. And because corporate sponsorship played an important part of keeping attractions open and functioning. Horizons began to operate on a seasonal schedule, and unfortunately, on January 9, 1999, Horizons closed permanently. The lack of another corporate sponsorship
1: probably played a huge role in that decision, but it was also rumored that the building was collapsing under its own weight. A sinkhole emerged under the building in 1998, and that may have been the final nail in the coffin. The building was completely dismantled to make way for Mission Space, which opened in 2003.
0: Though the ride itself is no longer around, a few five-legged goats paying tribute to the ride still exist around Walt Disney World and even Disneyland Paris. For example, a few of the props from the underwater city scene are displayed in one of the studio warehouses at Disney's Hollywood Studios, as well as some ships from the desert hanging from the ceiling of a restaurant there. The beautiful Robert McCall mural, the prologue and the promise, was removed prior to demolition and is on display in Disney offices, which are unfortunately inaccessible to the public. So I
1: really loved that ride a lot. And I remember going on it a lot when I was a kid. And I was there, I think, December before it closed, actually. So I was one of the the last people to go on that ride. And I thought it was still great even before it closed.
0: Yeah, it was a fantastic ride that I wish my kids would have been able to uh, enjoy because I know they would have loved it tremendously. And it was such a great uh, attraction that tied everything together, like you mentioned the thing. But, you know, another tribute that we forgot is on the um, exit speed ramp from Space Mountain. They've got Nova City painted um in one of the that you can see through the window of the family room. That's as well. That's Right, I totally forgot about that. And, well, that's why I'm here. Thanks for that five-legged goat, George. Yep, I'm never gonna let you down.
1: He's a nice he's, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him
0: speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. Ah! It's George's book of the week. The fifth book in the Kingdom Keepers series, Shell Game by Ridley Pearson, takes a few new twists as the Keepers enter their mid-teen years. The book is somewhat darker as the Keepers face issues that regular teens do. Well, sort of. Of course, there are the first stirrings of teen love, but there are also some new experiences, including the debut of Disney host Interactive 2.0, their new powers and abilities, and the first use of the DHI technology outside of Walt Disney World. The Keepers, working alongside the enigmatic Wayne, are invited to take part in a voyage of the Disney Dream cruise ship. Rumors have been swirling about the Overtakers and the crews. The mythology of the Kingdom Keepers has grown in their world, the fictional Kingdom Keepers world, as their battles with the Overtakers have been noticed by cast members and guests. The Overtakers, a group made up by the worst of the Disney villains, want nothing more than to take over the Disney theme parks for themselves. Pearson knows how to weave a story that is parsed with excitement, danger, and believable characters. My biggest and most recurring complaint is about the liberties that Pearson takes with Walt Disney World geography and the mythos surrounding Walt Disney. The latter part of the series seems to correct this by involving the keepers into a more modern and realistic tale. There are still few, a few fantasy elements about the Imagineers, technology, and the development of the parks that are hard to swallow. But sometimes you just have to enjoy the book you are reading. Sometimes it's a one.
1: Sometimes it's a two. When you gotta go, what you gonna do? It's a bathroom break. A bathroom break.
0: Our bathroom break is situated to the right of City Hall, in the town square area of the Magic Kingdom. Now, this could be the first
1: or last place you visit uh, when you go to the Magic Kingdom. It is tucked away from the street, which makes it a great place to meet people or wait while they visit the bathroom.
0: It does get crowded after the Main Street Electrical Parade though, so you might want to be careful if you visit during the parade.
1: Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. (laughs) John Frost at the Disney Blog posted a Fantasyland update
0: and shared some new details of the Storybook Circus. When I was there in March, the luggage in the train station area had just a few stickers on it, and it looks like the Imagineers have come in and added some more details. The first piece of luggage says Big Bad Wolf Extraordinaire. He'll huff and he'll puff and create the animal of your choice, Uh, an obvious reference to the Three Little Pigs and a future career for the Big Bad
1: Wolf. Property of Hyacinth Hippo, the most exquisite aerial sensation of the Big Top, clearly a nod towards Fantasia and the famous dancing hippo. The final
0: five-legged goat is a tribute to a very early Pixar short. Red's amazing juggling unicycles, circus-grade and performance-ready, manufactured by Evan's Bikes. Thanks so much for watching. Be sure to leave us a comment. Email us at communicorweekly at
1: gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. And follow both of us on Twitter. Be sure to enter our fantastically fuzzy photo contest, which the prizes are coming, we promise.
0: <laughs> I laugh, but it's true. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're from Mice Chat. Thanks
1: so much for watching. We'll see you next week on CommuniCore Weekly.
0: It's magic.